Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for Pivot comes from Pendo. Pendo improves the apps your customers and employees rely on. Whether you're building applications for customers or managing applications for employees, Pendo can help deliver better experiences for your users so they can get more value from your software. Visit pendo.io slash pivot to learn more about how your team can use Pendo to start building better digital experiences. There you can also check out Pendo's lineup of free certification courses, 12 hours of in-depth training for your product management teams on topics from AI to product analytics to product-led growth. That's pendo.io slash pivot to learn more. everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. I have seen Vision Pro and used it, and Martha Stewart gave me fresh eggs. That's my time this week. Hi, Scott. Well, one of those things is a winner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. You're wrong. You're wrong. Do you want um, to cover the eggs, or do you want sur- to cover the No, first? survey says. What do you think of the mixed reality headset? I have to say I thought it was fantastic. Really? I yes. Really? Yeah. Same right, Let me start with the negatives, all right? It's still a little heavy. It is. No matter how you mm-hmm. slice it, these things are heavy. And it's not as heavy as any of the others that I've used, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, it's a big it's a it's a big enough device, but it's pretty small compared to every single one I've used before. Mm-hmm. I thought their battery thing worked fine. It's a tiny little thing you put in your pocket. You're probably gonna use this thing at a desk more than anything. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a wasn't didn't feel weird. I've had lots of battery packs on my back, on my they're you're usually quite heavy. Uh, this was not. Um, it fits really nicely on the head and adjusts really well. There are these these things that the, the it's beautifully designed. I'll tell you that. Um, you can take these things. I think they're light shields. They have a name for them, and they can come off and change based on your face. Essentially, um, everything about it is beautiful. The back of the band is gorgeous. Uh, it's I'd fix the top a little bit, uh, but otherwise it was great. They put my glasses in it. They checked my eyes, and then they put glasses that matched my prescription in it, lenses, mm-hmm. which I thought was great because that's a big issue with me and. Um, they didn't. They didn't try to put glasses under it. That'll. That pretty much everybody else does. You put your glasses on, and then when you get in it, I don't know what to say. I thought it was beautifully done. First time I saw it, that I thought I would use it. I'm going to buy it. 100%. What would you use it for, Kara? Couple things. The mm-hmm. entertainment stuff is fantastic. They have a couple things that are immersive, which I think they have to make and other people have to make. Like I felt like Alicia Keys was up in my grill. I'll tell you that it was really. They have her like singing at okay, you. Okay, so porn. Porn, right? Um, <laughs> I, I sports, sports. You would love it mm-hmm. with soccer. You're right behind the goal. Like you're right there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basketball, um, racing. There was one thing where a woman was walking across a canyon on on mm-hmm. a tightrope. You're on the tightrope. 
It feels mm. like you're on the friggin' tightrope. So that, and she's coming at you, and you're like, uh, I'd like to get off this tightrope. And at one point, they have this thing called Dinosaur, which, of course, they're using these demos to impress people. But I've seen versions of these at every one of these. Dinosaurs, all right. You're there, you're looking at the pretty dinosaurs. It's quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. The the screen itself, the whatever the resolution they're using is gorgeous. And it walks out of this frame into you, and you can walk up to it. Mm-hmm. And see it so closely, like you can move close to it and see the scales. And the regular movie watching is excellent. So movie watching for sure. I usually sit with an iPad and my AirPod Maxes, right? When I watch a movie mm-hmm. by myself, this would, I wouldn't have my iPad. I just watch it on this on, and I wouldn't have my AirPod Maxes. I would use it for work. I'd use it for calls. I thought the avatar was still creepy, but better than any of the other avatars that they make for you. Um, it's a FaceTime person that looked like the person you were talking to, but still was an avatar. I would use it for working. If you had a keyboard, a wireless keyboard, and for screens, you don't need a screen anymore. You don't need to buy a big screen. You can work with it. And I felt fine using files, and uh, I could see working with it if it got slightly lighter, I suspect. One of the things that's cool is looking at photos. It, it looks like you're in the scene. It, it, it's like you're, if you did like your kid's birthday party, mm-hmm. it looks like you're in the scene. So if you look, you do one of those panorama shots, it feels like you're in the place you took the picture in. So you can experience it for real as opposed to taking a picture of it. Um, and then lastly, I would say things like uh, meditation apps, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Again, something I'd use with the AirPod Max, but it gives you visualizations that are quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think I would use the laptop anymore. That's what I would say. You think you work on? You think so? Let me let me just ask a couple of questions. So, what you yeah. just described to me feels mm-hmm. like the sensation I felt when I was a kid and I went to mm-hmm. the Muse- Air, Air and Space Museum in D.C. I oh, saw my yeah. first IMAX film. Oh, the Dream is Alive. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being totally blown away. That just yes. just. Uh, sensory overload. Yeah. And IMAX, a publicly traded company, is still an amazing place to see Batman or a Star mm-hmm. Wars film. But for regular films, people feel a little bit exhausted or kind of like like a piece of beaten flank steak by the yeah. time they leave the theater. Sure. And IMAX has never really established. It's a nice niche business, and that's being generous. You think this has broader appeal and that you would watch, for example, you talked about work. You wouldn't feel exhausted watching a two and a half hour movie on this. That's my first question. No, no not a movie. The movies aren't aren't immersive. There's an immersive zone, mm-hmm. right? And then mm-hmm. there's just look, it's like looking at a movie on an iPad. That's what it felt like. Yeah, but the thing that made me suspicious, and you tell me if my suspicions are unwarranted here, is that I thought it was purposeful they didn't let anyone try it on for longer than 30 minutes. Were you allowed to wear it for longer than 30 minutes? I was wearing it for longer than 30 minutes. Mm, I was wearing the jungle cat. I um, anyways. I was wearing. I think I was. I was. I wasn't nauseous at any point during the thing. That that and was another you, thing. You I can never, see yourself having this thing on your head for eight, ten, fourteen hours, which is. I don't sometimes. think I would put on for fourteen hours. I take it, take, put it on, and take it off. But I do that with my computer. I move away from my screen and things like that. Right. I, it's not a hard to take off, right? It's not hard right. to put on. One thing that they did do well is you can see everybody in the room. You're dealing with the room, not a black place that you're moving. In old ones, like you're moving stuff around a dark landscape. Mm-hmm. The movement with your hands is astonishing. That is a big 
move forward. Usually you your have to hold. Your hand is the mouse. That's your right. Eyes. Your eyes Usually, and your hand become, yeah. you no longer need an appliance. You don't. And those have always bugged me about mm-hmm. all the ones I've used. Mm-hmm. I don't like holding controllers, right? And mm-hmm. I know kids are used to it and this and that, but I you don't need to hold a controller. And one of the things you can do, just like you, you remember on... Um, on that uh, Tom Cruise movie, um, Minority Report. You know how he moved things? Yeah, he swiped it with his hand or whatever it That's is. what I did. I was mm-hmm. like, put put the pictures over here. I'll deal mm-hmm. with them later. Or you can close them pretty easily. So yes, I could use that. And you can see other people in the room. So if someone looks directly at you and you look at them, your screen becomes, uh, you can see them. It becomes, I guess, not opaque in some way. And mm-hmm. I didn't see the other side, so I couldn't tell. But I could see people and talk to them, and they could see my eyes for sure. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting, although I, you can turn that off if you don't want to be interrupted also. That's another thing. But you certainly can see everyone and the entire room. You can always see your hands. When you put your hands in front of your face, you see them in front of you. I was, I, look, it's a version one, but version one is quite good, I, I have to say. So when you said Tom Cruise films, you were referring to losing it and... No. <laughs> No, no, I was referring to Minority Report. <laughs> Got it. And uh, yeah, right. I thought it was um, the sports. I, if I was saying for you, sports, I think you would love watching sports on this thing. I mean, they call it best seat in the house, which they've tried to sell before. I got to tell you, it is the best seat in the house. Like you can be down. Yeah, but on here's the field. here's here's the thing. Just uh, and I don't I I see that your point about sports. I go to sports to engage with other people, and I one of the things I don't like about this and AI is I think it's further sequestering us. But you don't think that you don't think it isolates people even more at work? No, because I think I'm talking about watching sports yourself or watching a mm-hmm. movie yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I don't. When I watch movies with people, I don't talk to people. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, if I want, if I want to do that, I'll go to a movie theater and people talk mm-hmm. to each other there. I feel like the thing that's going to kill, and I asked them about this, is you know they have those big, beautiful Apple screens that you attach your laptop to, mm-hmm. that business is done. Like, they're cannibalizing that business quite mm-hmm. significantly. Um, if you were a designer, I think you'd want to use the, this. Um, I, you can even call Uber on it, I, I mm-hmm. suspect. You know, you can use all their apps. So your prediction is you think you think this is a winner? I think eventually it will win. I think it's going to be a winner in mm-hmm. the office, I'll tell you that. For people who work at home, I think it's going to be mm-hmm. a winner. I feel, and gaming, I didn't do any gaming on it, but I imagine. Yeah, I imagine. It, it imagine, it, whatever people make, at the time that Apple, just the iPhone, there weren't many apps, right? And mm-hmm. then it, then there were, it was done. It was game mm-hmm. over, essentially. And everybody copied that. I would be embarrassed if I was meta, given what they've done. Not, and what, trust me. Right. <laughs> Trust me, Kira, this is the last reason they should be embarrassed. <laughs> I understand, but it was it's like if you look at the Mark Zuckerberg presentation versus this, this is adult. This is uh, yeah, that's but isn't this a thirty five hundred dollar attempt to show everyone what a shitty product a five hundred dollar product is? I look, let me tell you, what do you spend thirty five hundred dollars on? One of those big screens. Mm, that's, that's how okay, much they cost. On. If you think about economics, economics is not only a function of how much money you spend, but how fast that product loses its value. You buy a $20,000 car, it, the average life is 10 years, it declines 2000 a year in value. Mm-hmm. You buy a big screen TV, you can get a really good one for a thousand bucks. I'm not talking about a TV, I'm talking about a big Apple screen, if you're working for on a big Apple screen. That's but this thing, see, this is one of my 
points some reasons why I don't think it works. It has a very big market. And that is the thing is about 4,000 bucks with sales tax. Mm -hmm. I think this technology is so advanced and cutting edge that you generously it's outdated in 24 months, meaning it depreciates 2000 a year. This is the same cost as an entry level Hyundai. Um, I don't agree. I think it's for people who do work and stuff like mm -hmm. this. It's it, if you buy one of those big, I'm thinking of more work things. Mm -hmm. If you use it for design or anything else on a big Apple screen, but that screen will last five years. I don't think this can last. I don't I, think I don't this know. thing's going to last longer than twelve months. I don't know. The technology here is so sophisticated. They're going to make the, what they're going to do is make improvements to the device itself. Mm -hmm. Right, the software is just going to update. But I'm talking about the format they've got going on here is correct. Mm -hmm. Is finally like okay, finally someone's done it. Put Put this stuff in the room. You can see it in the room you're in, and it feels like another screen, except it's not a screen. It's mm -hmm. it's just the wall, essentially. The other thing you can do is you can, there's only, but it's, this is what I love about Apple. There's only two buttons on the thing. There's a, mm -hmm. a button to take a picture or a video from it, mm -hmm. and it's, you just click it. There's a crown, just like on a watch or on the AirPod uh, Maxes, that you can dial up the immersion or dial mm -hmm. it down, and then you click it to bring back the home screen if you need it. I suspect there's going to be voice commands to do that, home screen, this mm -hmm. and that. I was kept thinking about how how important AI will be to this. If you had a personal assistant, I could see you interacting with your personal assistant on this quite a lot. Like, hey, get me a flight. Show me flights right now. Okay, interesting. Okay, what about this? I, I'm going to give this a thumbs up, Scott. And they want you to come and see it. They have all listened to you and go on. I had to listen to things about Scott Galloway uh, quite a bit during my session. Uh, Apple is quite aware of you. Uh, well, I want to, look, I'm, I'm an evolving human who's deeply flawed and you have more experience in mm -hmm. technology and you have tried the thing. So the good money is on what you're saying because you mm -hmm. actually tried the thing. What I would bet Mm -hmm. in terms of actual product resonance and the role it's going to play in the product portfolio. When BMW puts out an 850, or even when Mercedes puts out an S-Class or when Gulfstream launches their G700, mm -hmm. the market is pretty small, but it's sort of their R&D lab and they mm -hmm. have the most sophisticated technology. And then they let that technology waterfall down to the 7 Series and the 5 Series and the 3 Series. So fly-by-wire technology only used to be in the Falcon 9X. Now it's in the 7X and then the... 2000 LX. I I would bet that, quite frankly, the market here is not that big, but spatial computing and some of the things you're talking about will filter down to some of their other products. I just don't think the market right. is big here's enough what, to move the needle Here's what I would put them. to you, because yep. I, I, I was, uh, it, let me just tell you, they did it at this Apple uh, space in uh, down in Soho, near your apartment, actually, mm -hmm. um, on Duane Street. Um, and it was of course, it was stunning. They're 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 such a beautiful. Well, they're great. They, they, marketing no one creates space. They take a they take a page out of the Chanel Karl Lagerfeld mm -hmm. twelve minute long, highly orchestrated, curated, yeah. manicured control launch. They could launch, uh, uh, they could launch deep fried Snickers, and we'd mm -hmm. all forty percent of America and technologists and academics would believe this was the next big thing in computing: deep fried Snickers. Anyways, go ahead. They have invited you if you want to see it. And no, I No, thanks. Oh, see, but then you can't insult it. You really of can't. Of course I can. No, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. I have wrong. distance from this thing. I'll buy it. Yes, but I I'll want you to because try I'm a it before you insult it. I have money it. and I want to signal success. I'll try it and I'll give an honest review then. I don't need 
some some highly charming, high EQ person to take me to a Tribeca loft and make me feel loved and give me no, a bias towards liking not the product. Why? I don't have a bias. I already liked it before, as you know, because we're Which is called a bias. It. Yes, I'm I had it before ahead. I went. You have an anti-bias when we go That's in. That's true. I, I have, when looking at these things for years, I suspected they would do the you best You have job. more credibility here than I okay, do. Let me right. just say that. All right. You, okay. if it's you a don't choice have to between, go, but you should go. All right. If it's a you choice should. between what Kara says and what Scott says, yeah. On this issue, the good money's on what Kara says. And I I'm think gonna it's going to be a big business of theirs. I do. I really? really I was wow. like, uh huh. I see it. The minute it's like trying on the AirPod Max when I tried it on, I'm like, okay, this is good. And yeah, I have I tried. Listen, when I tried their Ping product or several of their other products, I was like, and mm-hmm. no, this one is from the gate is I, I, in three versions. This is going to be fantastic. It's very good right now. And if you're an early adopter, I would absolutely recommend buying it. Um, so more importantly, what's your favorite Tom Cruise film? Uh, I, I, I like all of Tom Cruise's films, although Pick I Pick your favorite. I Pick your favorite. Uh, Minority Report. Or mm. Born on the Fourth of July. He should have won the Oscar for that. Um, if he wasn't so good looking, possible it's coming. You and I are going. If he to wasn't it. so good looking, he would have won Best Actor for that. Brad, just the same way Brad Pitt, yeah, should have won it for um, that wonderful F. Scott Fitzgerald, where he ages in reverse. Oh, that, that one! That movie. was a terrible movie, though. Oh, he was fantastic. In I it. know, but that was a terrible. Movie. He was fantastic was in it. Anyways, movie. Tom Cruise, Rob. Although his fa- my favorite film, you didn't ask me, okay. Magnolia. Oh, he yeah. was fantastic in that. There's a yeah. wonderful moment. Uh, Felicity Huffman's husband is this kind of lonely guy mm-hmm. and he's has this huge crush on this gay bartender and you like at one point he just breaks down and he's like i have so much love to give but mm-hmm. i don't know where to put it it's a really powerful moment oh, wow. anyways i haven't watched that in years i don't remember it um anyway and very lastly, i visited i did really good interviews with sarah jessica parker and martha Stewart. Oh, how was i went that? to her house sarah, jessica, sarah jessica parker is a delight a delight yeah. and how was martha martha's amazing i did two interviews one i did for her podcast which was in a a see-through lobby studio at NBC down in a lobby. And she was gay. She's a game gal. And then Mm -hmm. I went up to Bedford, which is where her house is, and saw her astonishing estate, which had chickens and horses and stables. Yeah, that's called called a farm. It's called a farm city girl. (laughs) I've never seen a farm like this. This is not, this was. This was no farm. This was, I don't know, it felt like it was an English countryside and Mm -hmm. everything was perfect. And then we did the podcast there. I wanted to live there in her small house that we did. Mm -hmm. It wasn't small in any way. And then Mm -hmm. she made us tea and she gave me eggs, uh, uh, gave me a dozen eggs. So it was great. The whole thing was great. That's very nice. I had a very nice time in New York. It, it was good. We talked about a lot of stuff, including her comments about work from home, which I think you would agree with. She's like, mm-hmm. nobody works hard. You work from home for f- uh, five days is like working three days. You know, she's said a lot of things that are uh, very controversial, like as you, people have been arguing with you about your, uh, I think she's exactly on your page. And so she talked about that and wouldn't did not back down for one point one second at all Mm -hmm. so uh that was interesting she talked a lot about her career talked about prison uh what'd she say about prison oh a lot you'll have to listen to it now it was a lot she said a lot about Mm -hmm. what happened and how she felt about it and comebacks obviously she's had a lot of comebacks she talked about snoop Dogg. she's definitely an iconic character she's gonna be remembered for a long time one thing i'd forgotten and she'd come to all the all the all things d conferences Mm -hmm. all the time and sat in the front row she is 
like such an entrepreneur. Like she was thinking of six ideas. She's 81 years old. She's sitting there like- She's 81? She's 81. 10 ideas spilled her. out of her head in in like four seconds when we're having tea. And I was like- It's too bad. She's a little too young to run for president. Yeah. She's she's going to do Martha AI next. She's going to ingest all her content, of which there's so much, into mm-hmm. an AI and make a recommendation system. Just pretty interesting. She's always thinking and she doesn't mind- Breaking things, which I think is speaking of eggs. Anyway, it was great. Um, anyway, uh, I want you to go. To, if you want to do that, she wants to go see the Vision Pro. She's not too proud to to go see it. Mm-hmm. She's more open minded than me. That's why she's Martha Stewart, and I'm struggling with anger and erectile dysfunction. But I anyways. think you're going to have one of these, and you're never coming out of it. That's what I think. That that's sounds really appealing, Kara. That's, <laughs> that's what I need. Why don't we introduce Scott to heroin while we're at it? <laughs> See how that works out. <laughs> I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it. Anyway, oh we have a few other things to talk about today, but let's get to our first big story. The European Union is on a tear of technology regulation this week. First off, regulators slapped Google with fresh antitrust charges over its advertising technology practices. The executive branch of the EU went so far as to say the tech giant needs to sell part of the ad tech business off, which is something the U.S. is thinking of but has moved at a glacial pace. Mm -hmm. In the past, they've targeted monopolistic practices with fines, including three antitrust penalties totaling over $8 billion. This is the first time the EU has said you need to split up your businesses. Uh, let's start with there. You and I are going to be in Europe next week to, with the, mm-hmm. the average con lions. And um, I, I'm just curious, uh, what do you think about this? Because the U.S. Department of Justice has sued Google this year over monopolistic digital advertising. The U.K. has an investigation going. Uh, where is this going to go? I'm going to put on Chanel sunglasses, have an mm-hmm. unlit cigarette, and scream <laughs> out occasionally, Jackie, marry me. Oh, wait, not Europe. You're talking about the EU Google thing? <laughs> yeah. By the way, you and I are meeting for lunch. We are meeting at for lunch. my favorite hotel in the world, the yeah. Hotel Ducap Eden Rock. I am so fucking fabulous at the uh-huh. Ducap. Yeah. They love me there. Do they? I get, oh my you God. You pay get, them, right? That's why the, they love you. Uh, go ahead. That's why anyone who loves me, <laughs> anyone who has to stay there, anyone who has sex with me or likes me, I'm either making money for them or paying them directly. Can I ask so, you, how much does it cost to stay there? The Hotel Ducap? Yeah. Um, are you uncomfortable? Around, I think it's it's really weird. I used to, I was uncomfortable when I was poor. Now I'm uncomfortable now that I'm rich. Right, For about a moment, help. I had the right amount of wealth. Um, uh, I think it's like 2,700 euros a night. Wow. That is expensive. There's one moment, though, that makes it worth it. What? You <laughs> have breakfast there out on the deck. Yeah. It's not the pool. They have this iconic pool. They have great service. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the moment is these ridiculously ripped, handsome French guys come out. So yeah. you're at breakfast, very, very civilized. All right. And there's seagulls everywhere, which kind of mm-hmm. brings down the vibe. Mm-hmm. And when the seagulls start getting crazy because they descend they on someone's breakfast, yeah, sure. these two ridiculously handsome former French legionnaire men come out in these manicured, cool, tight khaki pants and tight shirts. Okay. And on each of their arms... <laughs> I don't know they why have, my mother says you're gay, but go ahead. <laughs> gay by day, straight by night. Yeah. They have a hawk on their arm, and yeah. this hawk has a, full, a blindfold on it. And then they wait till they have everyone's attention from breakfast, like, what the fuck are they doing with hawks? And they take the <laughs> blindfold off the hawk, and this hawk yeah. immediately takes off, yeah. kills a seagull. All you see is feathers fly. What? 
and no more seagulls for the rest of the morning. The what? seagulls go crazy. They're like, let's get the fuck out of Dodge. Why don't Dodge they always the get the fuck? Don't they know the hawk is coming? They they don't see. I guess seagulls aren't that smart. I guess. There's hawk. Yeah. It immediately, within a millisecond, the hawk goes, seagull, kill it now. Fly 200 miles an hour at this thing. Take it out. And then all of the seagulls are smart enough to go, get the fuck out of here. And everyone at breakfast is just like, that is worth 2,500 euros a night. Oh, my God. No, it's <laughs> it not. is amazing. I'm going to come and not pay that and have it happen. We're I might have, have to nice come lunch. for breakfast. We're having already, lunch. I hope I the like hawk people them. will be there. Scott, answer the question about Google. <laughs> Okay, so what did I? What did Google? What was the We're in Europe, everyone understands that mm-hmm. what is going to happen. Europe has been quite aggressive in very significant ways, as usual with tech, um, yeah. and they're aiming Can at they? Google's two hundred and twenty-five billion dollar advertising business, which is eighty percent of its annual revenue. Well, one okay, so to a certain extent, it's it's kind of barking at the moon a little bit because. I don't know if you can break up a company that's domained in another country. What you can do is prohibit it from operating in your country until it complies with certain laws. Mm-hmm. The thing about the EU is, despite it being the largest economy in the world as a whole, I think, or maybe not since Brexit, although Britain is shrinking, I think the EU has shown remarkable progress the last few years in terms of coordination. And you want to talk about, you know, we argue that we're, our states are so different. The difference between the political viewpoints in Greece and Ireland and uh, Sweden is pretty dramatically different. Mm-hmm. So I think they've shown, demonstrated a lot of leadership here. I think GDPR was the legislation itself was um, ineffective, but what it did was show an ability to pass legislation against tech, which we have been unable to do. And they are making progress. And when they, when the European Union, and they're very thoughtful and they're very smart, says this company should be broken up, I think American regulators do take notice. It also probably sends a chill across these companies in terms of acquisition. Now, mm-hmm. you could argue that's good or bad because smaller companies want to be acquired. But this is, there is a theme here or a, a philosophy, if you will, that we might be at peak big tech. And it does feel, it does feel, and I've been waiting for this moment for a long time, that the immunities are beginning to kick in on a regulatory level, that there are more cases against them that look like they might have some chances of passing or have more veracity around them. I think this is a good thing. I do not understand the legal ramifications. Yeah, of the I think they'll push. I think here. they will continue to push back. But, you know, you have the the Justice Department under John Cantor, I think, will is moving forward on this rather aggressively. Right. Um, but they haven't for a long, it's a long time. And Google can argue, look, there's Amazon now, there's this and that. They have chance to formally respond to the charges now. If they're found guilty of antitrust violations, they could be charged up to 10% of total revenue, which is around $28 billion. Uh, that's a big fine. Uh, they can pay the fine, but that's a big fine. That's not five, and that's not, you know, the, the amounts they paid in the past. Um, I think, you know, they'll continue to push it and to continue to say there's lots of competition and then now AI, la, 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 that kind of stuff. I, I do think in this case, Europe is showing some teeth that U.S. has not shown, right? And yeah, the fact 100%. that they're keeping to investigate it, you're sort of like, how much investigation do you need? Take it to court, mm-hmm. take it to court. See what happens. Obviously, they want the best thing they have, but they haven't ever even tried in in a Mm -hmm. significant way. And you could argue the ups and downs of the Microsoft case, but I do think that was effective 
you know, because things were pushed back on it, it still had mm-hmm. an, it had an impact and an effect when you actually sue. Uh, meanwhile, in a further challenge of big tech powers, the EU voted to push forward legislation regulating artificial intelligence. The AI Act would require generative AI systems to be reviewed before commercial release. It would also ban real-time facial recognition and systems that would carry a, quote, unacceptable level of risk. Um, you know, again, maybe too far. I know Sam Altman had blanched at this and at the same time, then he said he wouldn't. One of the things they're also trying to do is put guardrails around how AI gets trained. Tech companies are going to fight that. Um, Josh Hawley and Richard Blumenthal just introduced legislation, which is really interesting in the Senate this week, saying explicitly saying Section 230 should not protect generative AI. Mm-hmm. It's not clear whether it does, right? I think a lot of people arguing critics say it would quash innovation, but I don't think it is protected. I, you know, I think that's uh, up for grabs, but they want to specifically carve it out. Um, Lobbyists want regulation to focus on applications, not development. And the proposed legislation in the the EU would let creators ask for a share of the profits when their work is used in AI projects. Again, the copyright issue. So, you know, there's a lot here. There's a lot going on here. And of course, Europe's leading the way rather than the U.S. Again, once again, once again. Yeah, there's a lot here. So the idea of kind of a license, so an FDA sort of mm-hmm. makes sense, an FDA for AI saying, mm-hmm. like, these things have a direct impact on democracy, on people's mood, on mm-hmm. propaganda. So the idea of some sort of regulatory body that needs to approve these things. The issue is for the EU, if they have their own FDA and the U.S. is the Wild West, the reality is the U.S. will garner more investment dollars and their generative AI companies will move further faster than EU. Mm-hmm. That's the problem because, you know, the the move fast and break things is as many as externalities as it has, it has the benefit of pouring fuel on innovation. It, you know, people, they, they do move faster and they break shit, but they also learn fast. Right. So the licensing model, the other thing is the licensing model, I think is a bad idea because typically what you end up with, and a lot of people would argue this is true of the FDA, is that it benefits the incumbents. And that is the only people with the capital and the connections and the people making these decisions in terms of their job offers after they leave that administrative body, that this type of legislation or or licensing, if you will, helps the incumbents. So I I would like to see something on a multilateral basis, on a defense basis with NATO, and I'd like to see the European Union and our adversaries and the U.S. cooperate on this stuff. The same way we cooperate on things like bioweapons and nuclear weapons, I think there needs to be a regulatory agency around all of this. Explicitly saying that this does not get a protective halo or coverage from 230, I think is a great Mm -hmm. idea. Because Mm -hmm. part of the problem, one of the reasons we've gotten this level of teen depression, weaponization of elections and misinformation is that the original legislation in, I think, 1997, around 230, specifically said protect you know, the emergence of nascent technology firms. These companies are already not nascent. The OpenAI just raised money at a $29 billion market cap. They don't need protection. People are excited about this. But they need to be held to the same standards that every other company's uh, media company is mm-hmm. held to, including News Corp, who just got fined $750 million for misinformation yeah. that is a fraction of the misinformation that runs rampant every day on Meta and Google. Right. So I think that there's a lot about this. You know, it, it depends what you're looking at. But I specifically like an explicit removal of protection from 230 because I think it'll force mm-hmm. them to be more cautious. Absolutely. And then the final thing. I've never understood, and one of the reasons I'm an AI optimist is I've never understood why this technology 
if it can build missiles, hypersonic missiles, why can't it build missile shields? Why can't generative mm -hmm. AI be a defensive weapon as well as point. an offensive weapon? But what I would like to see, and I think you will see, and I think it's important, is that you have licensing agreements and tools that say, all right, this Notion AI, which helps you write and organize a memo, a book, has used a lot of content. 0.0093% of this was informed by the work of Maya Angelou or Malcolm Gladwell or whoever. And there's a licensing organization that collects royalties and then distributes it back to those content authors. Explain like, what Notion is. You use it a lot. You talk about it a lot. Well, Just it's AI for writing. You can put in a memo you write and say, make this sound like uh, more authoritative, or please find six data points around the economy, or make this tighter, or shorten this, or summarize this in a series mm -hmm. of emails, or write a cover email for this, or... You know, it just makes your it's it's a co-pilot for writing. When you just bark instructions for it to write something, you get something very vanilla back. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of writers who were very Puritan and turned their noses up at a thesaurus. Mm -hmm. And of course, they all use we all use thesauruses now. Mm -hmm. So I find this is exceptionally powerful. But you do you, you put your book in it? No, uh, I have not. What I'm doing. So I'm th my next book is going to be on masculinity. What yeah. I have been doing is saying. Uh, here are my thoughts around masculinity and key themes. Can you give me four ideas? And here are the eight chapters I'm thinking of doing. What chapters have I missed? What additional questions can I answer for you? How can I tighten this this section? What could what points of data or can you give me eight interesting points of data that highlight? So it's uh, a copy men's. editor. It's interesting. It's a very That's good. Exactly it's, right. So it fixes. I'm just on there. So I say fixes grammar and spelling, makes shorter or longer, translate, explain, edit in voice and tone, use simpler language, etc. Yeah. Sometimes I read my stuff and I'm like, I wrote this when I was angry. I need to tone it down. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to be. I want to sound more authoritative here. I want to sound more expert here. I want to. I want to show. The I want to incorporate editor, more yeah. data about uh, young men and addiction. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, these things are just really powerful tools, but just the same way Madonna gets compensated when her music is playing on different sure. radio stations. And for example, I, I think a really interesting company I'm actually looking at is just Adobe's Firefly technology, which is a design generative AI, because mm -hmm. they made a point and they were visionary here ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. it, because what they did was they only have design where it's uh, IP friendly. They either own the designs or they figured out a way to compensate people. Mm -hmm. So they've already gone one step ahead and said, there, if you use Firefly, which my 12-year-old uses now, and he's playing mm -hmm. around with it, which I absolutely love, mm -hmm. you're not in any way violating anyone's IP rights. Yeah, which they do with in the past with pictures. They A lot of right. these, these sites have offered pictures. Yeah, exactly. Getty and Corbis. And, mm -hmm. But I'm going to take, I mean, I'm, I now, and I'm sure you do too, mm -hmm. I have a body of work that's large enough between my books and newsletters and everything, and I'm going to feed it into uh, mm -hmm. an LLM, mm -hmm. and I'm going to start playing with a bot and see if, if someone were to show up and ask this. I get, and I'm, I'm bragging now, I get a lot of emails every day, mostly from young men asking for advice. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, what if I fed everything in from office hours, from all the emails, all the books I've mm -hmm. written, all the newsletters into an LLM and created a bot. And I'm going to ask it questions and see how good a job it does of coming back with answers that feel like something I would have well, said. You and Martha Stewart. She was, that's exactly what she said. She was, I have so much content. If I fed it in, wouldn't it be able to answer people's questions? Even stuff I've forgotten, I recommended. 
One of the things that's interesting here is, to me, is that Europe is, it'll be interesting to be in Europe to talk to Europeans about this, but they, even if they do things in ways that tech companies in the U.S., which they're aiming at mostly, uh, don't like, they're moving in the correct direction and they're moving quickly, right? And I think one of the things that is important for our legislators to do is to do the same and not make the same exact mistakes over and over and over again with these things. And because people, in this case, people are very concerned. I was at a dinner with the Livingston Awards. Mm -hmm. And we had a dinner afterwards. And, you know, the topic turned to AI, of course. And so they, of course, looked at me. Like, And one of the things was, one, how incredibly people are confused about it in ways that I, even reporters, right, really didn't understand it. And kept talking, looking at Notion AI, they kept saying, well, report, we have to make sure copy editors keep their jobs. And I was like, why? You know, and I'm, I said, I'm not being rude. I just, it's like, you you use spreadsheets, you use, um, you know, you don't do a lot of things because it's automated. And in this case, these AIs do it better. They write headlines better. And what they were doing was more like, well, we need to stop them and let people continue to do headlines. And I was like, Why? Like mm-hmm. AI can write 10 of them and two of them are good and a human can pick the one that's good. It doesn't have to remove humans. Let me say these people were yeah. furious at me, except for a regular person who was like, that makes total sense to me. And I was like, well, <laughs> it was really interesting. It was really interesting. Uh, you know, I've when you talk to writers about Notion AI or generative AI, they get very touchy. Mm-hmm. And it's because the incumbents don't like innovation. They don't, anything that threatens their job, they just generally find is immoral. And what I say to the most talented writers are, the most talented people that understand this technology are going to make more money. And the people who don't understand it and just get angry and aren't willing to learn it are going to make less money. That's It's just that simple. The people who figured out computers went from typewriters to computers and spell check. I'll give you an example. I'm trying to come, I've written a book on how to achieve financial security. I have some a viewpoint on it. I think there's an algorithm, an algebra to it, an equation to it, best practices, and a lot of life lessons in how to achieve economic security. And the title, the working title right now, is The Algebra of Wealth, Achieving mm-hmm. Economic Security. My publisher came back and said, we talked to the sales team and we didn't like it. And they didn't like it. They feel like it's too wonky. And they showed me all these books and all these books are basically like, how to get rich. And I'm like, I just don't want to be that straightforward. I don't like that. I feel that feels very douchebaggy. I went to ChatGPT while we're on this call and I said, in the voice of Scott Galloway, give me 10 book titles about best practices and strategies for achieving economic security throughout the course of your your Mm -hmm. 20s, 30s, and 40s. And it came back with a bunch of like 10 ideas and a couple of them were good. And one of them was money code, an unapologetic path to prosperity. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's better than anything we've come up with today. Mm-hmm. So as a means of brainstorming, I mean, you still yeah. have to pick the right one. Yeah. Uh, well, look, all of this also needs to be regulated at the same Agreed. time. So it'll be interesting to see if Europe's going to pull ahead. And if the U.S. doesn't act, we're going to get things that may be too strict and cause people like Sam Alt say, I don't want to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously they're going to push back on things they don't like. It's in their self-interest. Um, but we'll see what happens. But Europe, good for you, Europe. You're at least working on it. Um, all right, Scott, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Bud Light marketing controversy and things around it and take a listener mail question.
Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Scott, we're back with our second big story. Bud Light sales are in a slump following an April controversy in a marketing collaboration with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney. Sales are down 23% compared to the same week last year. That said, Bud Light's market share has been sliding for more than a decade from 19% in 2010 to 10% in March. It slid another 2.7% since the Mulvaney campaign last week. Modelo Especial mm -hmm. took over Bud Light as a top-selling beer. Um, this is a trend that was happening. This accelerated it. Both brands, however, are made by Anheuser-Busch InBev, uh, along mm -hmm. with Corona, Michelob, and a bunch of others. Mm -hmm. Just for, for clarification, Modelo is owned by Anheuser-Busch InBev everywhere except the U.S. Except the U.S. Yeah, it's Constellation yeah. Brands here in the U.S. Last month, AB InBev's CEO said declining Bud Light sales represent only 1% of its global volume, but shares of Bud Light parent company have fallen by 15% amid broader S&P gains. It, 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 there's a lot of hypocrisy here. They also market to race car drivers. They also market to all kinds of things. This one set them off in ways they were, they were, they said a lot of false things about what this was. It was just a can that they made for this, this trans uh, person. Um, mm -hmm. You've talked about Nike's Colin uh, Kaepernick's campaign as an example of mm -hmm. a win. Talk about this one uh, from a marketing point of view. Look, this was, um, I don't think there's getting a, uh, uh, this has been a disaster for Bud Light um, in the sense that they've gone, I think, from 10% to 7% share. And I find it tragic. Mm -hmm. That as far as I can tell, this lovely young woman doing fairly innocuous TikToks, mm -hmm. the conservative, uh, the right, who is very uh, transphobic, which means they hate trans people, I don't use that word lightly, decides to go after a company 
and it was effective. And I worry that it's going to lead to more. Anything that's seen as, you know, any embrace of progressive values, they're going to start this bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. And Modelo has now become number one, which, by the way, is a wonderful beer. But w- what you have here is that when Nike embraced Colin Kaepernick, they just did the math. Two-thirds of their revenue come from outside of the U.S., and two-thirds of their revenue within the U.S. come from people under the age of 30. People under the age of 30 embrace Colin Kaepernick and recognize the U.S. has real problems with systemic racism. So those people burning their Nikes represented about 2% of their revenue. Mm-hmm. They had to go buy out and buy their first pair of Nikes to burn them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bud Light is different. You know, Bud Light has, uh, I think, a large group of buyers who men. I, I it wouldn't was, say, it's still white men, I think. Yeah, was. and I wouldn't say that they're anti-trans. What I would say is they don't want something politicized, and that mm-hmm. is, and I don't know what the focus groups say, but I think they just look at this and think. I, I think here's the bottom line: the reason why you go from ten to seven percent on a political issue represents that your foundation to begin with is not that strong. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the last one, 10, 20 years. Uh, the drinks industry has been moving away from beers back to spirits. And so beer is resting on a fairly weak foundation. So, for example, when Colin Kaepernick and the NFL sort of embraced him and uh, viewership went down for a little bit. But if you want to watch the Green Bay Packers, you're going to watch the NFL. With Bud Light and beer, there are so many substitutes Mm -hmm. that it's pretty easy to say, you know what, I just don't want to even understand the issue or deal with it. Mm -hmm. I just heard this controversy. I'm going to try Coors Light or I'm going to try Modelo. So what this really reflects is an industry that's just very vulnerable. So when CNN crashes because of these controversies, the controversies themselves are, are, are pneumonia. They shouldn't kill you, but there's this opportunistic infection can kill someone with a weak immunity system because cable television is in structural decline. That's a fair point. You know, Mark Cuban has talked a lot about this, although he's on the stop, ignore these people kind of things. And one of the things he's been saying lately on a lot of stuff is like, just friggin' relax about it. Um, the point he made is there's a reason almost all the top 10 market cap companies in the U.S. can be considered woke. It's good business. Um, he told this to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette in an interview. First, a dip in market cap is meaningless. You have to realize there aren't many individual owners of stocks. Almost all ownership is via funds, and most trading is quantitative. It's also not like a drop because of tens of thousands of individual holders, holder stocks. You know, so he, essentially he's saying um, it, it, you keep investing in politics as you see fit, but without publicizing it. And if you do publicize it, that's unpopular. Just wait it out, essentially, on most of the things. And if you have a good product, that's it right. doesn't really matter. That's that's what he's If people like and your product, probably, like Disney. Disney's the, the opposite right. example, right? There's no, no dip in Disney business, from what I can tell, from all the Ron DeSantis attempts to ruin them. Um, and I, I guess they could organize it. I think the question is whether boycotts do work. Um, it is a, Bud has been very targeted and very, I would say, unfairly because and the other thing they did was the reaction. They fired the marketing person. They they sort of backed off. They got more right wingy. You know what I mean? Like so, then it feels like um, what's his name? Uh, the the Bob Chapek. Like, okay, you're not against him. You're for him. I think that was their dithering. Was I think. Well, I think they should have. I, I, I do think I love ABM Bev. I know the mm-hmm. people there, they're really mm-hmm. good people. They're really smart. Mm-hmm. They're fighting an uphill battle. Beer is in structural decline. Mm-hmm. They do a great job. Uh, the stock will come back. It's ridiculous. They blew it on this one. They should have said, we embrace youth. We yeah. embrace 
We embrace talented young people. We embrace, uh, we are a function of character and freedom and liberty and, and people yeah. get to present themselves however they want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, yeah. That was an opportunity. They missed it. Nike sees the opportunity. They missed it. Yeah. Because they're not going to be forgiven. Mm -hmm. The crazies don't go, oh, they get it now. We're coming back. Mm -hmm. There's no accommodating these people. They just mm -hmm. want to be fucking angry and, and, and shame and scare and intimidate people. Right. And, That's exactly right. Uh, and, uh, and I thought about that. I thought, oh, this is an opportunity for me. You know, I'm, an, I'm a narcissist, right? Mm -hmm. So I bought a Bud Light at a bar and mm -hmm. I was going to take a picture and put it out on Twitter. And I mm -hmm. thought, am I just further politicizing this and going to hurt the issue? Mm-hmm. Because I don't drink Bud Light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we could have a better tasting beer at the center of a culture war, by the way. But go ahead. Well, it's not a great tasting beer. Um, but all of a sudden, I'm like, am I in, 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 in an effort to virtue signal? Am I just adding to the problem? Because I think a lot mm -hmm. of people who decided not to buy Bud Light mm -hmm. are just like, I just don't want to be involved in politics, period. Mm -hmm. And anything that reeks of any politics, regardless of what side, I don't have the time. I just would rather buy a beer that is not political. Well, Modelo this was feels pretty non-political. This was foisted on. I mean, they I'm took, not saying they seized an opportunity and they took it, as they say. Right. But my, my point is, you know, life's unfair. And for whatever reason, this thing got politicized. And I think a lot of people are like, I just don't want to be involved in consumer products that have any political taint whatsoever, regardless of whose fault it is. Well, you know, I, I do think, I don't know. I feel like Disney... It, under Iger has done the right thing the way they've done it. They've just stuck to their guns and that's what we're doing. And you don't like it, go work somewhere else. But I, this you know. is why Disney wins. Yeah. yeah. Disney is singular. Where are you going to well, go to Magic Mountain? You're going to yeah. Knott's Berry Farm? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I don't yeah, think they say it quite like out. that. That's not a very nice way to say it. Yeah. We're all you got. Um, what's interesting is the sort of uh, the, 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 the grif grievance grifter culture that's built around this stuff now with the right wing. And they did it for CRT. That trance has seemed to have stuck uh, for them for a little bit, at least. Um, the Bud thing. Um, there's a whole grievance grifter groups around these things, and they're making money um, at it. They've um, they're mad at Chick Fil A. Oh my God! Like because they, I forget what they did. They did they're no longer discriminating against something. homosexuals. I, I, I mean, don't know what they did. They did something that was. I can't remember what they did. They did whatever. They didn't like it. They don't like Fox News. Like they're going to eat themselves. They're going to eat themselves this way. In Michigan, the real the the medium election deniers are rhinos now. You know, the people who are like demented are not demented enough, and so there is a big fight with the GOP in Michigan. And meanwhile, the Democrats have a majority in everything the first time in 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 forty years. And so it's really, you sort of sit there. I'm like, how many of these angry things, even though I think some, you know, Ben Shapiro makes his business of being angry at everybody and it works. And at some point people don't like being mad. Um, oh, I think it was Chick-fil-A. They embraced uh, diversity, uh, inclusion and hiring, equity, inclusion and hiring. They make a good chicken sandwich, my sons say. Didn't stop my sons from going. It's to hands down the most <laughs> innovative singular quick service restaurant. I mean, it's it's a I, phenomena. Chick-fil-A is a phenomena. I understand it. I still don't love a lot. Of, but, you know, people can make a decision any way they want to make in terms of- Yeah, but you know what Chick-fil-A does? It's really legendary mm -hmm. real quick is they get thousands of applications for a manager job and you have to come up with, I think, ten or $20,000 mm -hmm. and then they loan you a bunch of money. So you're an owner mm -hmm. and they have tapped into what is the key in all hospitality. And that is the owner is on site at every Chick-fil-A. Oh, Interesting. Well, Chick-fil-A is now woke level. people, in case you're interested. Go for it. But you know what I thought of? 
when I saw that the market share had gone from 10 to 7% mm -hmm. based on, I thought, yeah. you know what's going to happen here, Kara? Yeah. We're going to see uh, AI, generative AI, fake videos of woke people endorsing a product produced by competitive products. Hmm where that'll inflame the right and they'll say, don't buy this product that are fake, uh, produced oh. by the competitor. Oh. I mean, this is where the shit goes. Yeah, because they're so stupid. Let me just say, this is, the whole bun thing was started by the, 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 probably one of the largest fatheads in the in the area, Matt Walsh, who is, is anti-trans. He's transphobic in a really disturbing way. He had advised conservatives to, quote, pick a few strategic targets and make them pay dearly. Uh, of course, now they're going after everything because they're manic and rabid. And so they're just attacking everything. They're just attacking everything. And they, they're they hoping this trans thing continues. It's not going to, but they're hoping it does. Um, I think people are, I think you're right. People are concerned about their jobs. They're concerned about gas prices. They're concerned about inflation, which is down. They're concerned about lots of things. I don't think they're concerned about, uh, most people are not concerned about that. I think there is a small group of people who are, no question. But they live in a state of constant rage and anger against anything that's not like themselves. So. Ranger. 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 Whatever. Okay, Scott, let's pivot to a listener question. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. It comes from Harry from Stockholm, Sweden. The email, I'll read it. Hey, Scott and Kara, yeah, in that order. Love, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, love the show. Been a listener since episode one. You talk uh, often about Twitter and lately about Linda Yaccarino. It's all fun and insightful, but sometimes it feels a bit like you're kicking someone already down. What would you do in her? We're nice to Linda Yaccarino, Harry, by the way. What would you do in her role? What are some strategic actions you would do as media brand strategy and comm specialist? Harry, I, I'm going to start. I don't think we kick her. We have given her more praise than we give her praise. She deserves it, by the way. She's a very good ad person. Um, we just think she's gone into an impossible situation. So what would we do? Scott, I'm going to give this to you because I, I'm not an expert in brand strategy advertising the way you are. Comms, I could probably, getting Elon to shut up would be my first move, but I don't think it's possible. But if I could do that, that's what I would do. I would I would disappear him from the situation, ask him to stop tweeting for six months, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I would start with from a, from a, a media perspective and just trot him out and say, and just wave, you smile and wave essentially. So that's what I would do from that perspective. Scott, what would you do? Because she's certainly capable of fixing or helping get this place better, but there were talented ad people at Twitter before uh, this, before this, but go ahead. Scott. I think she should do her job while wearing a mixed reality headset <laughs> at all times. Um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to adopt uh the language of Tim Cook here and you know what would I do if I were Linda Yaccarino I wouldn't be in this position. Mm, uh, this is no I mean okay the, the bull case is the following we're talking about her it raises her profile she won't get blamed when she's fired and she will be fired. This is what I would do if I were Linda Yaccarino and she's probably done this. I would have an employment contract that says that if I am not fired for cause and causes I commit a felony or, you know, list it, that I forward vest all compensation for five years, and you need to put that money in escrow because you're a lying motherfucker who doesn't pay his employees. And uh, I would cover my ass. I understand that she's doing it. I understand why she's doing it. It raises, it elevates, it elevates her profile. It's an incredible platform. We're all talking about her. She will not survive this. He is not a man of his word. 
He makes scapegoats of other people. He blames other people. He throws them under the bus, and then he refuses to pay them, thinking, just try and sue me. I have a 100 lawyers. I'm just not going to pay you. There are people at Twitter who still have not been paid. There, there are lots of them. I saw a bunch the other day. And they have to sue the guy. And so mm-hmm. they have to try and sue the richest man in the world. Mm-hmm. So what would I do? I would be all about that employment agreement. All right, but assume he would shut up. What would you do to Twitter? I'm going to put you in. That's just. Well, okay. I know it's I know it's impossible, uh, but he's at Assume Harry. I have a full head of hair. Okay, I mean, assume I just, you have a full head of hair. What would I do? I, I would hope that he gets distracted with something else. I would hire back, uh, what was his name? Yoel Roth. Mm-hmm. I would, I would try and massively beef up the safety system. I would try and try and innovate around some type of product. I get rid of this ridiculous. I try and turn the blue check into something that actually means something again and move to subscription. I, think I would think, sailed, though. I would, you're probably right. I would try and I would hire a bunch of people to try and figure out how it could be uh, some sort of input into an LLM, and they might make money there by creating sort of this ongoing pulse of information or content that informs an interesting new LLM or generative generative AI Twitter. She's got to experiment. She's got to do something. Quite frankly, she's got to go outside of her comfort zone because mm-hmm. this is just a shitty place to advertise. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to spin chicken shit into chicken salad. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think she's been given an impossible and an impossible. She's working for a company that's experienced the greatest structural decline in revenues in history over a billion dollars, working for an unpredictable person who is has a total lack of regard for other people that work for him. So, you know, good luck with that. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't think there is a, a right strategy here. So yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard given he's there. That's the problem, Harry. He's sitting there like Mount fucking Everest of hate, right in the middle of it. And so you really can't do much. You can't get around it. You can't get over it. You can't get under it. And uh, and we think Linda's very talented. Interestingly enough, bringing it back to Martha Stewart, she was like, it could be the greatest news distribution platform in the world, and it just it's become a snake pit. She she used to she was very early. Martha was on it in 2009. She's like it's useless to me now. You know, as a as a marketer and she takes every Listen, this is a woman who went down to you know, to every garden club to sell her book back in the mm-hmm. day. She did every this this is someone who knows how to market, right? Mm-hmm. Um she did everything to sell and gin up interest in her and stuff like that and she's like I don't it could be great. Everyone sees that. Um, and there's all kinds of things you do then. You have all these great relationships with news media companies. You sort of program against Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you program against Google. You're the, you know, the, the underdog. Um, you're very sympathetic. You throw out the haters. You throw out the white supremacists. You don't go free speech, free speech all the time. You don't. You say, look, this is going to be a great place to really learn about news. And we'll try to be as broad as possible. We don't tolerate haters. But that's not going to happen. It doesn't matter because it's it's owned by, you know, Darth Maul, whoever. It's just not going to happen. Darth Maul. <laughs> whatever. I don't know. It's just, it that's ain't going to happen. That's a cultural zeitgeist. That's a yeah, good thank cultural you. reference. Thank you. Thank you very like much. That. Darth Maul. The only win here is if he takes it out as a meme stock. That is the only win this will have. And then she'll be rich, I guess, and she should sell right away. Yeah, I think the meme stock thing is, do you realize people have now lost more money in meme stocks than they've made? Of course made? they have, but someone's always on the other end winning that trade. So, yeah. and it would be Elon and and his bunch of cronies. Uh, so, 
That's the only plus I see. Anyway, uh, thank you for your question. But come on our podcast at Cannes. Listen up. We're going to be answering lots of your listener mail in the upcoming months. So if you've got a question of your own that you'd like answered, send it our way. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit a question for the show or call 855-51-PIVOT. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Uh, you did get in hot water for one of your tweets this week. Uh, if you'd like to address it, if you don't, please don't on this topic. Uh, you were talking about Democrats and trans issues. I'm happy to talk about it. Do you want to talk about it? Sure, go ahead. So I think the tweet was on the line. Let me start uh, by saying, first of all, sure. you're not transphobic. I thought this was a stupid tweet, but you are not transphobic. Go ahead, move on. Uh, I th- thanks, I think. <laughs> don't, um, don't people were calling you transphobic. It's not true. Oh yeah, that was the go-to. You're transphobic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Austin Killips, a trans woman, won the Belgian waffle race on Saturday. That's mm-hmm. a 131-mile course mm-hmm. that runs through the Blue Ridge Mountains. And the number two rider came in four and a half minutes behind her. Mm-hmm. And what my tweet was, and I hope I don't get it wrong, uh, uh, because obviously Twitter's not a place for nuance. I said that unless Democrats condemn trans women athletes competing at elite, at this elite level, it will impair our ability to advocate for transgender rights. And I think what's happening here, Kara, is that in an, in an attempt to be empathetic, in an attempt to fight for the rights of a group that has been marginalized and has been persecuted, uh, in my view, we have kind of lost our minds and that ideologically the snake is eating its own tail. Now, what do I mean by that? If you think about uh, the male physiology, I mean, what it comes right down to is, is if you look at most of the studies to summarize them, men are physically stronger. Yeah. Uh, women are emotionally and mentally stronger, even at a childhood age, like girls Girls can survive divorce uh, with much better outcomes than boys. But anyways, there's just no comparison. And uh, what we have decided to do when we let uh, people who are uh, uh, born as males compete in these races after they have gone through puberty where you pour testosterone over a, a bigger, larger muscle mass and greater bone density and skeletal infrastructure, um, I think you end up with misogyny, and that is that the entire world of elite sports, all of the camaraderie, all of the money, all of the scholarships, all of the relevance, all of the accolades, the confidence, all of these wonderful things are about to be slowly but surely sequestered to one group, and that is people born with penises. And I believe that any any transgender girl who wants to play on her volleyball team I'd like to think that every school district would would let that happen. And people will say, well, it's a zero-sum game. That means some deserving mm-hmm. person born, you know, born with a vagina doesn't get to play. And I'd be like, you know, at that level, it's worth it. The empathy, the humanity, it's worth it to, to help that person who has probably faced a shit ton of discrimination incorporate into society. It's worth it. When you get to the elite level and you start talking about college scholarships, this is where we're headed. Mm-hmm. Unless we have at a certain level involving money and scholarships, unless we say, look, you're either born with a vagina or you're going to play or you're going to be in another a separate category, 
Uh, but the notion that we are going to start having people with at six foot five and the wingspan of Michael Phelps, who, by the way, still have a penis and testicles, compete in the NC2A swim meet. This is nothing but us going way too far and in a misguided attempt to say to get our bona fides around progressiveness are hurting women. And there needs to be some nuance here. But this is my prediction. Every major athletic organization around the world is going to justifiably and fairly move to the, the, the following. You either, uh, wherever the gender you go through puberty or the gender you're born with, you are going to compete um, in, that, in that sport. The governing bodies of uh, sports and athletic associations around the world are going to move to a more definitive regulation that says, if you are born with a penis, you need to compete in one of two categories, um, uh, either men's or, or some new category. I don't want to say other because that sounds disparaging, but I don't believe that we're going to have any sort of competitive sports at an elite level that allows uh, uh, people born with uh, a penis and go through puberty with testosterone to compete. Uh, they will see that this is a bit of a zero-sum game. And our efforts to be empathetic for this community have ended up backfiring us and in, ended up in certain situations that I believe actually sequester something wonderful, and that is elite sports from people who uh, from from people who are born as female. And I think that there's been enough instances and enough productive conversation such that we can have compassion and recognize that young people who go through gender affirmation should absolutely be on their high school teams. They're, they're, they, we should afford them humanity, grace, and a certain amount, you know, additional generosity. They've had to put up with so much shit. But when it comes to this, it's just, I think common sense is going to weigh, weigh in here. Okay, I get that. Uh, uh, go ahead. Can I? Anyways, I just... And immediately people start calling you transphobic. They did. And yeah. I'm like, this isn't transphobic. You know who I'm advocating for? Not only women, but I'm advocating, I believe our ability to advocate for the LGBTQ community and the transgender community is diminished because people people think, well, I this hateful transgender legislation mm -hmm. is ridiculous and stupid, but the Democrats have lost their fucking minds. All right. Let me just say, I don't think they've lost their fucking minds. But and I, I think it's not all Democrats. I think it's a very complex situation to to, to navigate. Uh, one th one person did point out to you quite correctly. These are the rules of this federation. So they're going to have to and change the federation's the rules. wrong. Well, they that, and I'm it'll just saying, change their roles. It, 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 let's not focus on the athlete themselves because they're they're all playing by the rules. So let me just say, I would like to just read uh, the woman who came in second. The woman who came in second yep. she said a transgender athlete won the women's overall, which caused some controversy. Those following women's road cycling are aware of the UCI rule that is currently allowed. Uh, rather than sharing my personal opinions about the UCI rule, I think it's most important to recognize that all athletes, no matter how they identify, should have a space to compete and race. Additionally, underneath all helmets is a face and a person who deserves respect, dignity, and a safe space to ride bikes. In the future, I feel a separate category may be appropriate, but event promoters are also learning what is best to preserve both female cycling while also creating an inclusive space for all to ride. These things take both time and grace to resolve, and she plans to continue to support and attend events in the future as I trust they will navigate this with respect for all writers going forward. I thought that was literally the best response. Because I, agree I think with what's all of that. the reason I think your tweet was stupid is because these the people 
you're playing into a right-wing trope to make people angry constantly. And so I think you the context of what you were talking about it in, it, it's just the context is you're, these people are trying to anger and upset people. And you did, you did uh, the New York Post among them constantly puts these stories as if it's the biggest problem in our world. And I think what happens is that it, it gets, this issue is, it gets overblown to a point where everyone then pays attention to it, if that makes sense. And so I think what you didn't note was the context you're operating in, which a group of cynical, awful, cruel, hateful people are using this to push buttons. And perhaps if you had said, I know this is being used by the right to upset, and but let's have a discussion about it. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, Let's remember with the athlete who came in second was, let's have some kind of grace to this, this grace and Oh, 100%. And I got to be honest, Carrie, your, com your comments that I'm inflaming people and making this worse is, is very hurtful. And, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying you don't deserve to say that or you're not accurate, but it, but it rattles me to think that. Well, I, I just I think do these people, no, you're not inflaming them, these right-wing people. You're in, you're li I don't think you're inflaming them. I think you're, you're in a context where it's inflammatory and you right. have to be aware of the, I don't think you are inflaming them by any means. Let me just be clear. I think the right wing is a group of cynical grievance grifters and they're trying to make people angry and divided. And when you're in that environment, you have to be very careful about what you say and write because, and I'm not talking about like uh, not saying what you think because you should be able to say this and it's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. I, I do think that if you're in that environment, you absolutely have to be aware of the people that are trying to play you. And because mm -hmm. you're a nice person, you know, that's where you get played the most, ultimately. You should engage on these issues with people who actually are being thoughtful. Anyway, we'll see. Uh, but I do see where the anger is coming from, Scott. Look at the ridiculous attacks oh, on I, Dylan Mulvaney. Ridiculous. I get it. But if you look at, actually, though, but if you look at the Twitter feed, it was a fairly productive discussion. For most people, I mean, people, some people yeah. immediately, yeah. you know, called me a transphobe or other people said, well, you know, this is, and said some hateful things. But for the most part, people said, had an interesting conversation around different levels and different, what the NC2A's rules are mm -hmm. and what would be the best rule. And the fact that Martina Navratilova has been very outspoken on this issue. Mm -hmm. But the so. question is, how do you ensure as progressives and or just as empathetic Americans, mm -hmm. that you can be a really robust and effective advocate for these people. I, and I, I think that involves a certain dose of adult realities and common agreed, sense. Agreed. But I think what they're doing is trying to make it, they're, they're burning everything down so we can't, there's no way to meet in the middle. That's, it just, but, it's, but it's a, we give them the matches no. when we face, when we refuse to own up to adult More realities. That is a hundred percent. You're right. But I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is the context is what matters. It's, that's all, yeah. that's all, that's all I think it's fair criticism. Okay. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. But you hurt my feelings with spatial computing. Computing. That's what you're really more mad about that. I loved it. Uh, we're out for the holiday weekend, but Tuesday we've got a great interview with Sundar Pichai from Decoders Nilay Patel. Then we'll be back with a vengeance because we are broadcasting live from, from the French Riviera. We will have talks. Wait, one Hawks of us will killing survive. Seagulls. The hawk will kill one of us. That that's is what's right. going to happen on our show, and it's not going to be me. What happened to Kara? Taken by a <laughs> no, hawk. No. But it was awesome to see. <laughs> no. It was awesome the hawk to watch. so go for you. It is like you would be little pieces of hawk bait or whatever it is. We're going to chitty chat. We're going to have questions from the audience, and there'll be French people there, and, uh, and we will have uh, debates and things like that, and we're very excited to do it, and we're very thrilled to do it at Con Lions, which we both yeah. enjoy and there'll be there'll be rosé there will be rosé 
That's fine. At By the, the entire way, it's can. Just say can. it's can. Oh, can Don't try and be French. It's just oh. can. It's just <laughs> okay, can. Canis. Canis. Canis Lions. It's Canis yeah. Lions will be there on the main stage on Wednesday at 4.30. If you're there, please come see us. There you go. All right. Read us out, Scott. Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman, Taylor Griffin, Ernie Intratot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Neil Severio. Send us your listener questions. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Kara, I will see you in France. The hawks are waiting. The rosé is waiting. The dog will be in a big, big robe with sunglasses. I'll be the guy flirting with everybody and ordering $45 truffle cheese fries. Oh, are you going to wear a Speedo? Is there a Speedo? Hello. Is there a Speedo? Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here... Chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.